I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey, y'all. Welcome to a very special, 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 special installment of this podcast. I am Aeon, aka Brianna, one half of Box Number Five So Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk, and I'm going to turn it over to my co-host. And I'm the Lioness on the ones and twos giving these niggas the blues, and I am your co-host also of um, box number 512 podcast grown black trans woman talk and the lioness is in the building the lioness is in the building and I, I'm we're so excited today to be partnering with a wonderful guest and I'll let her introduce herself hey everybody so it is I hope to the hope disguise from can we talk podcast and I'm super excited to be here on a crossover episode with box 512 and can we talk so yes Well, I guess first, before we get started, uh, I think it's necessary for us to do this for the culture to show that Black trans women can come together as creatives uh, to jointly bring a topic, to just be in conversation with one another and to merge both of our brands together so we can be sisters in conversation and just um, sharing space amongst each other. So I know it's really important for us um, to reach out and uh, create the space so we could set up the table so we could have this conversation on tonight. Additionally, this will be the first episode for box number 512 podcast um, second season. So when you see this, we will be in 2021, um, new year, new opportunities, um, new space to just start over and um, live the life that you want to live. So we're really excited that this uh, will be the um, beginning of our uh, second season doing the podcast. Yes. And we also want you to know, because this is our second season, I know you guys are excited about all our new offerings. Um, I know you guys are excited about the expansion and the start of our Patreon. Pardon our progress as that as that platform grows and builds. But we ask that you guys, for those of you who have been supporters and who have been supporting to us on our anchorfm.com slash donation tab page, we, we are really, really appreciative. But what we wanted to do was give our really diehard fans, you know, Brianna and I are always having people saying, ooh, in this episode, y'all did this. I wonder what it was like behind the scenes. Or they'll come to us and they'll, and we've heard you guys in the inbox say how you want more and deeper conversations than what we're able to do sometimes on a live. Well, Patreon is upon us. And I'm excited, you guys, to announce that. So y'all, please, 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 um, when this is out, you guys will already know that it's, it's, it's on and popping. So please take advantage of that platform. We would love for you to become a patron of our business. We're a Black trans business trying to grow and expand. And so we would love if you could just be there with us from the ground floor, support from the ground up. The investment is worth it. For sure, for sure. 
Yes. Um, so we're actually going to turn it over to our sister Hope to uh, get our main topic that we want to talk about uh, for today. And this was um, definitely um, Hope's brainchild. And um, I know I'm happy and the lioness is happy to sit and add our two cents and just be sisters um, in conversation talking about a topic that's super important, especially to the um, Black trans feminine experience, um, because we too are affected by colorism. So I'm um, hope, take, take us on. So first and foremost, I think that what a lot of folks fail to realize, and I think that in a lot of the work that I wanna do with bridging the gap, is to remind people that trans women are women. We say that, but I don't think that people understand like when we say that, like we mean it. And so when we say that, we're trying to say that a lot of our experience mimics that of the cis, the, the cis femme experience. And a part of that cis femme experience, especially when you're a black girl, is colorism. And I think that for me, being a black girl who's not only a black girl, but being a black girl who is a dark skinned black girl, you know, it's one of those that as as trans women, not only do we have to deal with the idea of being trans, but then we have to deal with and tackle the idea of not being desirable or not being preferenced or preferred because we don't look exotic. Right. Right. And sometimes I feel like that's trash because a lot of the light-skinned girls don't look exotic neither. Sometimes some of the girls that actually qualify or quantify as exotic don't look exotic. They look like everyday Hispanic women or everyday, you know, Russian women or everyday white girls, right? But when we are in a day and age where we can sit and pull up a clip of 50 Cent and Lil Wayne talking about how Keisha is not exotic because you see a thousand of her in the hood, whereas Maribel or whoever, they're, these girls are so exotic and they're so much better or whatever the case may be because they're not a hot commodity. I think that that's trash and that's bullshit. It's usually a cop out for the idea of just being able to say that you don't like black girls. And I don't understand why so many men, well, I do. And, I, and I'm sure we're gonna get into that. But for the sake of the, 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 the phrase I was gonna use, I don't understand why so many men are just afraid to just say that. Like, I would rather men just be honest about the idea of not liking Black women versus trying to skate around the point or trying to make or uplift these other races of women by calling them exotic and, and, and saying that that's the thing that makes them, you know, fall head over heels. Right. Well, I, well, I think, I think, I think in that conversation, they know that we are disposable but they know they can't dispose of us because they know eventually they're going to need us. They're going to have to rely on that um, link when they get in trouble because they know how black women of all kinds um, are the ones who usually hold black men down to um, fight for them, to lift them up, to heal them, to care for them. And they, they know that deep down inside. They know that when they're like, uh, verbally maiming us and disrespecting us and devaluing us. So uh, that's why they don't explicitly say it, but uh, just, or sometimes in the case of Little Wayne and to be said, they do explicitly say it, um, but it still hurts um, nonetheless to not even, well, as when people say it as romantic partners, I think it hurts in a way, but just as a 
um, on a platonic level or on a we are all in this together in a community level to just hear this disdain for Black women. And let's be clear, a, a particular dark-skinned Black woman with African features, with the wide nose and the wide eyes and the, the thicker lips, um, to hear that disdain, um, you know, it hurts. Um, it hurts. It, it hurts. Even when you try to contextualize it and rationalize it, um, it still hurts that uh, people that look like you um, don't prefer you or don't, and and they're not doing anything to really interrogate or challenge that bias other than just say, oh, well, that's my preference. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, for me, I think, I think, and this is where, this is where I think we can bring in the history of it, right, guys? Like, so in my mind, I just think about how so many of these young boys at a young age, they, they themselves are also watching gender happen and gender being expressed to them. And they're looking at their moms. And then unfortunately, because it, when we were a lot of times, when a, when a lot of us now that are adult with children, there was a dearth of representation that look of women that were dark skinned that were bigger like our moms that may have been you know more voluptuous and curvy so these boys look at these disney movies and they look at these disney princesses and they get that imprinting just like every just like women do just like girls do when they want to play with the the doll that's whiter or lighter they get that same imprinting, but for them, it shows up in a much more sinister way because then now when, when I'm now, but now that I'm in a place in life where I'm now beginning to select partners or I'm thinking about beginning to have children, we still live in a world where it is an advantage to try to partner with someone that is lighter so you can have lighter children. And a lot of men, for whatever really terrible reason, and, and it's patriarchy, let's just keep calling it what it is, because of patriarchy, these men feel, these black men feel like their one missing link in connection to whiteness is this is the trophy wife and then the progeny, the, the biracial progeny. And it's always at the expense of the, the women that raise them, the women that look like them, the women that are dark skinned with them. And it's just so sad, especially when you talk about these rappers where they are, they, they themselves make their money and they make their clout on being the the tastemaker so so to say so the idea that as a tastemaker you're telling young boys y'all you know you don't want to mess with them dark-skinned chicks it just really really makes it even deeper because now unlike it being coming from mainstream it's now coming from your own it's from the poets from the streets it's from the people that say they represent the real they're now telling young boys these women aren't good enough and that's it it, I don't like for me the entire the entire thing is usually just a cop out the entire argument around the colorist views for why we choose these type of women or you know the aesthetic behind it a lot of people like to say things like well this is all I knew you know I grew up in the suburbs like yeah I'm, I'm a black person but I grew up in the suburbs and so I went to school with white women or I this or I did that and so that's all I knew and it's just like yeah but you came home to a black woman and you went to the black women and you played at the rec center with black women you know and it's just like the thing that a lot of black men I, I like what I see them using is this idea of time being an eraser of you know the the culture or time creating the preference and it's just like no matter how much time you spend with these other women you live in black skin mm -hmm. 
And so there's no amount of time that you're going to tell me that you spent, you know, in this city, in this town, in this country with this culture that's going to like, I, I can go to Spain and live, you know, with Spanish. Like there's a whole side of my family that's Cuban and you don't see me out here chasing after these, you know, biracial Cuban black boys or these stereotypical looking Cuban men like I still love black men. And it's not that those men are not also a part of it, but it's the fact that with a lot of black men, I find that they don't add those women to their preference group. They completely annihilate black women as, as, as a preference. If it's not just for sex, if it's not just for the woes and the, and the wiles of how our bodies are shaped up and how our lips actually match theirs when we're kissing, they don't want us. And, and it's just, it's one of those things where I find that not only does it, it, it surface in relationship dynamics, and um, but it surfaces in, in friendship dynamics. Because what I also notice is that those same black men that be like, oh, I don't date black women will have a gambit of super black female friends. And I think it goes back to what Brianna was saying. And it's because you know that you can't do away with us completely. Mm -hmm. And so won't give us what you believe is the privilege, right? Of being able to court you or being able to date you. You gonna keep us around because you know that when the shit hits the fan, that Becky that you fucking ain't gonna have your back. Like I got your back. And, and, and it's kind of, putting the labor on black women to make men better men for non-black or light-skinned black people. So we, so it's like kind of a per perverse cycle where, you know, I, I don't want to date you. I don't want to partner with you, but I still want to um, use you for emotional labor so I can get to evolve to my highest self and then dispose Girl. of you. And I think we don't talk about, um, like I, I believe in love and you know all of that, but I think we don't talk about like the commodity of partnering with people. Like mm -hmm. there, there are uh, in commodity meaning there are certain societal benefits that um, people get for, particularly men get for partnering with certain type of conventional mates. Um, and we could take we we could take this to the level of um, colorism, and we can also take this to the level of cis sexism and transphobia. And um, looking at uh, and you know, there's always slight exceptions to the rule, but um, when you look, and particularly in our community, with now that um, tra like trans amory is becoming more of a thing, and um, men in particular, black men. Um, are feeling slightly more comfortable to be open with their partners. Uh, it's, I don't want to paint everybody with a colorist brush, but it's, it's been very interesting to see um, who these men are purposely choosing to partner with, who they're purposely choosing to share on their social media, who they're choosing to take that risk um, with to be open in the public. And not too often do I see like a darker skinned black um, trans woman. Um, typically I see like a uh, very light skinned trans woman or like um, Latinx or white. Um, and I'm not, not to say that it doesn't happen, but it's very rare when I see it. So it just makes me, it, it's just one of those things you go back and wonder, hmm, I wonder, I wonder why it was easier for you to make uh, that particular choice 
um, when it when it came to um, choosing um, this particular partner. And if you had a woman that was dark skinned, why did you make the choice? Like, why didn't you make the choice to be public with her? Did you think that it would be harder? Did you think that because of the way she looked, she wouldn't have um, as much value and it wouldn't make people more accepting of your trans, Amory? And I just think we live in the time where we uh, have to answer um, those type of questions. Considering when we have so many trans women that are being murdered, and if you just look at the skin tone of the Black trans women that are being murdered, a lot of them are very dark skinned. A lot of them have um, traditional African features. So it makes you wonder, why is this level of violence reserved for this type of um, Black trans woman? For sure, for sure. You know, I think also in interrogating that too, I feel like we got to really, as a people, turn it inward also and, and be like, so how I see the situation, how, and, and, and I think this could be an expansion of it. I feel like we also, as women, and this is us talking to women, sometimes will uphold that kind of hatred and that kind of um, tension and animosity amongst each other. And while we're able to confront and have this conversation here, I wish that women were the diffusers of this kind of conversation, at least in our community, because too often am I often also seeing that when women get angry with one another, that then the now becomes the, the thing that we throw out there, the, you know, you, you know, you dark this or you black this, or it, it's the other way around. You, you know, you light skin damn near while you even black. Like we start trying to parse out what it means to be black based on skin color as well. And I feel like if we're going to expect the, 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 the larger dominant forces of white supremacy and then patriarchy to not use it against us, we can't use that against ourselves. And I feel like that's another point I wanted to bring in because I feel like there's a real big accountability piece for women because in a lot of ways, Black women and the way that we be sets the trend. But we are allowing ourselves to participate in the aggrandizing of a Kim K. It's us setting the trend that she then takes, but we still largely support her franchise. And I'm not knocking her in specific. I'm saying in general, we need to really reclaim our image and stop trying to like deny each other access to that, to that, to that black girl magic, if you should say, whatever it is. I want to talk about both of those things. So in reference to what Brianna was saying, I think that the answer to that for me, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a man who is trans so I can't say. But what I've noticed about men is that men want a certain response from other men when they introduce the women that they're with. Mm -hmm. And the response that men get, and we've all seen it, it don't matter if she the most basic number two ass pencil bitch that you could ever find in the box of pencils. When she light bright and got half of a decent body, everybody is like, nephew, that's you? Mm -hmm. Oh shit, nephew, like what, what? And she, she's just as basic as can be. She ain't mm -hmm. ugly, but she's not all of that, right? Right. But then you bring a 10 chocolate bar ass bitch up into the space and she is all of those things, intelligent, she speaks well, she plays spades better than everybody at the party. Everybody loves her, but nobody 
gives him props for really bringing her. She don't show up in the same way. Immediately, everybody that sees this girl, before you can even do it, everybody sisters her for you because they don't see us in a space of coveting. No, they don't covet us. And so the reaction to bringing that girl out and, and dropping that on social media doesn't garner the same thing as dropping this Jessica Alba next to your Gabrielle Union. Because my thing is, Jessica gonna wake up, shake her hair and, and go in this naughty ass bun and get 15 million likes. And Gabby gonna put her whole self together, put an image together, perfect lighting, makeup done, hair laid, everything, sit back and y'all still gonna be like, oh, that was cute. I mean, I guess that was nice. And it's just like, and we see it every single day. And so I think that to, to your point and to answer your question from my point of view, which is still not valid because we're talking about the opinions of men. But I think from my point of view, just from the outside looking in, that's what I see is just that they want that reaction. They want that hey nephew reaction when they do decide that they're going to you know, introduce a woman into the world. And then as it pertains to what, ugh, let me, let me, as it pertains to the idea of what we're talking about as women and how we toss these titles and all of these things at each other, it starts with us. But at the end of the day, when you have a group of women who are marginalized, right? And told that we can't get a man, can't keep a man, we're too masculine for men. When men are at stake, just like other people who have things that they love that are at stake that they feel like are also scarce, we gonna throw out whatever we have to throw out in order to feel validated in that moment. And unlike men, we're able to acknowledge that's a bad bitch. So I have nothing else except she's fat, her skin is dark, or she's too light, or she looks white, she doesn't even look black. We don't, and I don't think that those are things that we do internally just to knock each other down or to, or to invalidate each other's existence. That's just cattiness, right? And I think that what we're here to talk about isn't the, the, the cattiness that happens amongst people when they feel threatened, attacked or whatever, or when the argument comes because there's no rules in the fist fights of the streets. We're right. talking about the idea that colorism and especially as it pertains to social levels, relationship levels, be them platonic or romantic, the ways that people genuinely and purposefully target certain types of women, like Brianna said, even when you look at the types of women that are being targeted to be killed, right? There, are, I know a thousand light-skinned girls that sit on the beat, but I don't know a thousand of them that's on that list this year. Exactly. Exactly. Hey y'all, we want to tell y'all about a new segment that we're starting on a podcast called Suggestion Box. So that is where you, our listeners, write into us and we can answer your questions. So many of y'all have so many questions that y'all ask us on our various social medias and through other mediums. And we want to give you guys a platform to uh, write into the show so we can give you our raw and honest opinions. Fellas, you want to know how to get to know a girl? Ladies, you want to know what's going on in, in our world? Or if you want to know what's going on in the world in general, if you just want to ask a question, this is your moment. And we'd love to have you right in. So make sure to send those letters to box number 512podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's B-O-X-N-O-512-P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Our email is in the show notes. So make sure to send those letters in, guys. And who knows? Maybe we might read your letter on the next show. Okay, y'all. Back to the show. Yeah, and I think um, I want to I want to bring two things to the conversation. On the the first on the first hand, I think we we ha- we have to stop allowing others to gaslight us about colorism as it, as if it's a subjective thing, when we all know that it's objective and that it is the experience that um, dark skinned or darker skinned people um, will experience as Black people in this country, and that. Um, when men hear um, when when men, when men hear us bring this topic up, to not take it like as we're attacking you. Like for instance, if we know and we and I know we all know people trans amorous men or just men in general that are partnered with lighter skinned women, um, non black women, the quote unquote exotic women. Um, this is not an attack like on you per se, but I think you just have to be open to the possibility that that what we're, that one what we're saying is true, that um, we're not lying, that two is not to be challenged, and three, it, specifically for trans amorous men, if you are really an ally to the trans community, um, like you say you are, you have to be open to the possibility that um, you should be aware that you could possibly engage in this type of behavior because it's the status quo, because the norm. And if you really want to be the ultimate, um, and, and I'm not telling, I'm not telling these men, oh, you gotta date um, dark skin, um, black trans woman, or you gotta do this. But I think you have to be open to the possibility um, that if you are, if you can so easily be averse to dark skinned women, if you can so easily come up with all of these reasons why you can't date them, if you are wondering how your inner social circle will perceive this person, or you have, you feel like you have, you feel like it's not as convenient to um, incorporate this person into your life, but you don't have the problem with the Latinx trans woman or the girl that could just wash her hair and it's wavy for the rest of the, I think, I think it, I think you have to be open to the possibility, possibility that you maybe aren't colorist, but colorism and how it is ingrained into our culture um, is impacting you mm-hmm. and that you should start to begin to really um, model ways on how to um, counteract that. And I think we have to be honest that preferences do matter because these same people that hold these preferences ultimately hold power and they have the power to um, uphold these systems that are also harmful and violent to darker skinned women um, cis and trans. So I think we have to um, make that connection that preferences do matter because these people that hold these preferences, it never stays personal. At some point, it's going to come up against the institution or it's going to be the institution. And I think we have to um, continue to track people and to continue to create awareness. And for um, our sisters, especially um, Black um, trans women, dark skin Black trans women, I don't want to 
create this fantasy that um, once you become woke or once you become aware that like life is going to be perfect, that every man is going to get with it, because that's just not true. And I know for me, um, speaking for myself, my dark skin, me being dark skin, me being fat, uh, me being larger, that is something daily I have to work through in order to create space so I don't lose my mind, so that I love myself, that I'm surrounding myself with, with images because the reality is the world doesn't favor body like mine, bodies and experiences like mine. And the reality is that I'm always gonna have to work high, harder in a society that doesn't value me to create space, um, to siphon those images and to keep them around me, um, to um, have positive images that reflect myself. Um, but that's hard. And I think if we're going to tell people to love themselves, we got to give people tools so they can have access to things that can affirm. Because it's easy to love yourself when you're the preferred. But it's a little bit harder when you're not. So we need to be um, giving people tools and giving people access to um, tear a little bit of those boundaries down so we're not um, setting people up for failure. There has to, have you found, because I know you've said that you have to constantly affirm yourself. And I think that in, in a lot of ways, um, because I struggle with stature, right? Not necessarily the weight thing, because there's a difference between, and I, and I think that this is a thing too, is that I had to have a girlfriend check me for, for using the fat card. She was like, hope there's a difference between being fat and thick bitch. I am fat. You are still somebody that they would classically apply into that thick category, right? So just because, <laughs> you know, just because you not, you know, up there in the ad model space doesn't necessarily mean that you get to claim this whole thing because it's a different struggle. And I think that when we talk about the idea of, of that stature, right? And when we talk about the intersections of that, we do have the color, we have the weight, and then we also have the height. And especially for trans women and the way that we're built, I find that when a lot of these men that we're seeking today or a lot of the amorous men that are out here, not only are they chasing the dream through people's skin color and people's ethnicity and, and the trophy, but they're also chasing this dream through the idea of having this unclockable little teacup sit, sitting next to them, you know. Which for, the, which for the most part is not a lot of black trans women like you know for most of us on average we are about 5 10 5 11 like with us you know you're gonna get even if she's skinny you're gonna get a um, u.s girl a statue s woman yes um, you're getting u.s girl you're getting a, you're getting a meg the stallion right and and that's why i resonated with that you know that entire whole tory lanes thing so much because me and meg are the same height and for a lot of the people, it had nothing to do with the fact that Meg was a woman. It was about the type of woman that Meg was. It's about the type of is It's about the way that her body shows up in spaces. And it's nice when it's on the gram and it's just her ass and I can't really see her as compared to me in real life. But when I am standing next to this woman and I'm 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and she's a whole 5'10", I don't feel like a man. And right. I think that trans amorous men, especially as it pertains to dating black trans women, 
They may like to look at us. They like the way our bodies look online, but standing next to us, we don't give them that ability to poke their chest out and be like, look at my girl down right. there. Look right. at her. I, 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 it's my duty to protect this little thing because she can't protect herself. Look at her down there, right? But when you show up and you're taller than him and then you low-key six foot two, six foot five in a pair of heels, it takes away what he feels like is his ability to protect you. Because now he's like, well, shit, you six foot two. You can protect the both of us, but I'm still a woman. And I still crave desire for somebody to feel like I'm worthy of that protection. Regardless of whether or not I can knock a nigga out for the both of us, I want to know that when I'm with you... That you're going to fight. That you're going to fight. That you're at least willing. Right. And it seems like they're not willing unless you fit a certain descriptor. The way that they walk is different. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brianna. No, go ahead, sis. Mm -hmm. I was going to say something that you said that really was interesting to me. And I had, to, I've been in this self-reflective self space myself. When you mentioned how you had girlfriends that were larger than you, that, that really had to really come and they had to school you on the fact that while you may consider yourself um, a, a plus size woman or th that there's a, there's a different struggle here. And that uh -huh. you traditionally wouldn't apply. Well, I have had to come to grips with that as far as this colorism conversation. Uh -huh. Because there's a way in which I'm aware that I people will be comfortable putting me in a room and saying, now we've gotten dark-skinned women. And I have to keep it a hundred, knowing full well that I am I'm 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 a brown girl and I'm that kind of TV brown. Uh -huh. that and I'm aware that I have taken up space and 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 have been in spaces where people were, were like, well, we have Samaya and she's a dark-skinned girl, but I know full well that they was there was that why why I was chosen for the optics of why I was chosen. So I I I have to be have to acknowledge and I feel like it's okay as women. And I feel like this is a real, real sister conversation because I feel like it is also okay as women to realize when you're taking up space when you should see other women in the room that are darker than you. And that requires that you have that self-analysis to be like, and it's not like my life has been no crystal staircase. And it's not like I have the same privileges as a woman that is light skinned, but we have to be aware that there are gradations to the way people are treated. And it is based on skin complexion and that there are people that will have a cutoff and I have to, and I can't be okay with the cutoff if my goal is to say I'm inclusive as well. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Keeping it at 100. And that's really challenging some shit. Because for a large part of my adult life, I was very comfortable calling myself a dark-skinned woman and brown skin and feeling okay with that. But but also understanding too, like I know that I kind of I kind of can check off some boxes that make people feel comfortable. But I felt comfortable with that because that gave me an advantage. And I had to sit recently, and because I'm on this podcast with my wonderful sister Brianna, you know, she's been really enlightening me through her conversation that I there is a level of of, of, of discrimination that I am not experiencing that I have been saying, I understand that I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I want to, um, thank you, sis. That, thank you. For, I, I appreciate that, um, for you bringing that in. I have to acknowledge that even though I am dark, there are people that are darker than me. 
and that are experiencing. And also, I also acknowledge that there are different things about me that might buffer me from the level of violence that my sisters are experiencing on the street. Um, whether it comes to my level of education um, and now my um, earning capacity, uh, me and my sis, um, just part of our sisterhood is Samaya coaching me, like, girl, like, you know, this is what you wanted, but girl, you're, this is what you have to expect. And also me um, always reassessing what it looks like to use my privilege and my position now to um, really give back. Um, and just just being in constant conversation with myself, um, acknowledging, acknowledging my marginalization, but also um, no, acknowledging how um, capitalism, I mean, let's call it what it is, kind of gives me an out in some things, but it gives me an opportunity to really um, bring my sisters into the room. So it like, but I just think we as women are always thinking about, especially Black women, about how we can be better and be more equitable. Like that, you know, men don't usually have to think about that. It's always us women thinking about what more can we do? How can we be more inclusive? How can we be uh, more progressive? I want to circle back um, to what Hope brought into the room, particularly with um, Megan The Stallion, um, which I think really brought it home this um, this um, summer or this year, um, just in our conversations with trying to bridge the gap with uh, Black cis women. Mm -hmm. um, to let them know how they are impacted by transphobia, how they are impacted by cis sexism, and how we we really need to um, come together. And I don't think it's it could it could be us um, on some respects as far as trans women, but I think it's more on cis women because they hold institutional. Even though they are oppressed. Black cis women hold a lot of power because Black cis women are extremely powerful. It just is what it is. But um, getting them to acknowledge that they are impacted by transphobia and a lot of them are, are not safe more than they let on because of transphobia. When we see, when we saw the conversations about Meg Thee Stallion and about her being shot and being a victim of violence, it was like, oh, well, she must've told him she was a man or, oh, she 5'10", she should have been big enough to defend herself. And now these are the same things that, that they are saying to black trans women when we are be getting beat on camera and it goes viral or when we're being murdered um, and we're being misgendered in the news and it's like, oh, um, well, he, uh, well, he was murdered and we're like the whole nine. So I'm not happy that it happened, but what I am um, optimistic about is that it has sparked this conversation uh, for us to do this intra-communal work with black cis women to really let them know that we can't be in competition with each other when we're oppressed by the same shit. Like we just, hmm. it's just, um, n it's just no way that we could be in competition with each other when we're both uh, facing um, so much violence at the hands of the men that we have in our homes, that we nurture, that we have in our lives. So we have to, um, and we have to understand that 
um, until we come together, until Black cis women, your politics create space to include trans women, regardless, regardless of our genitalia, regardless of how cis we look or how quote unquote passable um, we look, that we have to uh, create space for one another because we are out here um, being killed um, by the same system and still interacting with the same men. Interacting with the same, we are dating and having relationships with the same pool of men. So, um, and also um, to just bring a little bit of myself into the story personally, I've had so many men tell me that they would, they would, they were scared to date me or they were scared to be seen publicly with me because I was tall. And when I was younger in my transition, like that really bothered me because I'm like six feet and it's just, you know, it's nothing that I can do about my height. But I think for me, um, part of divesting um, from that system is just um, creating ways to accept myself. So that looks like, and it, it doesn't have to be these big grandiose things. It's just not engaging with men on that level where they could get close to me to, to say those type of things. It looks like wearing shoes that are my actual size and not trying to stuff my big feet into like size 11s ruining my feet so I can't walk. It looks like me wearing clothes that um, are actually my size as a larger woman. So everything, so I can feel comfortable and move in my clothes. It feels like buying makeup that is my actual skin tone. Um, it, it, it's just it's just little things that, um, and I think, I think we also have to talk about, um, if we're talking about women, we're talking about men, but we're talking about women. Um, shout out to um, Kimberly Foster from For Harriet. Um, she talks about beauty as a as a system of inequity and as a system of oppression. And um, the also the more is also more investment and in, is more reward for being beautiful and not being ugly. And I think. Um, we have to also bring into the room how um, being beautiful for the gaze of men that also plays a part um, into the and really not. I don't want to tell people to say, "Oh, you ugly," but really, but really awaken yourself to how we treat quote unquote ugly people and how we punish quote unquote ugly people and especially ugly women or women that society will deem ugly and for me um it's not affirm is for me it's affirming the beauty that i see in people in different ways that are not physical right because the the thing about the beauty the beauty conversation is bitch we all want to age and uh -huh the thing with beauty is we all can't hold on to it forever. And as soon as you are not beautiful, then you are not valuable instantly. And that's so. extremely important when we talk about these murders, because a lot of times what, 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 what we all, what we often are seeing too is, is that we want to see our youth get to the age where they they are past the life expectancy, but then we also want them to have lives that are viable. We also want them to be considered viable as partners. It's really interesting because this speaks to the part of the, an interesting part of the dating world that because we're a culture that is so objectified physically, 
you know, our experience is pathologized. It's almost like people look at you like you're so like, and this is an ageism conversation as it relates to colorism, but people will look at you as a mature woman, trans woman. And then because you have survived, they see you as damaged goods. Even niggas, that's your, even niggas that's your age. Will see you as damaged goods. And y'all, we are the same age. But because they know there's a newest, hottest, youngest, youngest model, because they know that there's a girl out there that doesn't know her worth, that will be willing to settle for less, that may still be beautiful, and that has this naivete that just comes through lack of experience, it's easier to take advantage of her than it is to, to deal with women of a particular age. And particularly when we're talking about then, then being a woman of a particular age and community, and then dark skin. And then uh, you're not, and then to be, you know, not necessarily tra the traditional body type. It just compounds. We all gain the weight as we age. And that part, and then then you start having this these men that will, and then, and now my nine times out of ten, the men that are requesting these things, that it's the shit. <laughs> are not the niggas that at all. Are we gonna have that conversation, ladies? <laughs> are we gonna have it? Yes, let's have that conversation because I feel like that that's a deeper thing. Let's talk about the fact that our community oftentimes is a magnet for bum ass niggas. Let's talk about our community sometimes how it's a magnet for beta niggas that would not be able that in real life have struggled with, with having relationships with the female sex period and they're bitter and broken and they come to us expecting us to be the easier model. I can actually get a prettier woman than, than I would ever be able to attract as a cis woman and she need me. And she might have it, have abandonment issues, and she might be thirsty, and they and and they're playing on the systemic oppression that has made us uh, insecure and broken, and and and, and sometimes can and, you know without resources, and and they're playing on that, and and I think the colorism issue really hits our community because we're so objectified on such an extreme level, you know. There are so many levels to what you just brought out because my thing is, as as women in general, we got to show up and be damn near perfect. Every your, time. Your feet got to match your hands. Your hands got right. to match your teeth. Your teeth got to match everything else. Your body got to be this. Your body got to be that. Your hair got to look like X, Y, and Z. And if it don't drag, it better be natural. And if it's not natural, then the wig better be laid. And if the wig ain't laid, then you better be a nice bald head with a good shape. Like it has, to, like, there are so many ways that women have to show up. And my thing is, I know that there's going to be some man out here right now. He sat back in his chair just now and said, but y'all do it to us too. Look here. When we're talking about the ideas of wanting you to be in shape, we, we don't force men to have to have a six pack. It's nice to look at, it's cute or whatever, but I just don't want you to be sloppy. That's the different parameter than men set for women. We have to be skinny. We and if a nigga's not put together, he's not given the label. If you catch a dude and he's a bum that day and he's off work and he got dirt under his nails, he's given a pass if he can clean up well. He's hard. But don't let a girl be caught out looking bummy, looking crazy. And then watch, watch how that thing flip on you. You know what yeah. I mean? He's a hard worker and she don't care about herself. That that's the and, difference. And I think what men are missing from that conversation is is it like oppression does not work, like oppression doesn't work both ways. Yeah, we have comments, but you feeling some type of way about a woman that doesn't fit your particular taste. That has consequences, right? When we look at how much money um, women make compared to men, when we look at uh, uh, um, attrition, well, not attrition rates, but um, 
rates of women who are getting fired, who are losing their jobs, when we look at women who are being um, penalized and like the like your pro again your preferences and how you feel because this is, we live in a patriarchy, we live in a patriarchal world. It has real consequences for those that are um, on the when we're speaking of power dynamics beneath you. Um, and women, especially Black women, will never have that power to have a preference and then back it up with an institutional or a systemic um, consequence uh, for you being fat or for you, your dick um, being um, five inches or for your, your dick being bigger than your balls or for your beard not connect. Like, they're oh. no, like <laughs> the bar is so low for men that they can be mediocre, but still um, request um, excellence um, from women. Because we teach men that it's okay. We teach men that we're willing, and, and that's the thing too, is that we teach men that we are willing to prep and print and do all of the things, no matter how he shows up. How many of, and, and let's be honest and real, and especially at the very beginning of our transitions, ladies, how many of us have gotten ready, got put on a whole face, sweep yourself together, spray it on perfume, put on all your body oils. You are hairless, bitch. You are just feeling your goddess. And how did he show up, girl? Off the fucking <laughs> basketball court. Off the fucking basketball court. And he still got his dick sucked. And, the, and, and you know what? You're not lying. And that is why we're having this conversation so that the young girls coming behind us won't be sucking basketball well, dick when you giving out. When you giving out BET Awards outfits. Yes. Like you get, it's got to be a balance. Right. Because <laughs> right. I have been, and, and that speaks, and that's really true. And particularly as women like us, girls like us, we have this, we have this expectation to now hold the standard even higher. We live in a world where the stereotype for us is that you're a glamazon, a complete yeah. other glamazon, and your yeah. femininity has to be performative. And it awesome. has to come with a weave and it has to come dressed a certain way and it has to come packaged a certain way. And if you don't look that way, you have the option to get surgery. And these men now are getting to the place where they want only girls that have had face film and this and that and the third. They're not even appreciative of the differences and the different nuances in our community. And let's talk about how even the way, you know, and this is not just for, for trans women. Let's talk about how the plastic surgery industry drives forward these white supremacist oppressive standards of what beauty are. So then now for a man as a status symbol, even if I do get one of those girls, I'm supposed to change her. I'm supposed to get her to BBL. I'm supposed to get her certificate. I'm supposed to pay for her surgery and her work. And this is all the way cis women, Cardi B, everybody all in between. The standard now is, is we, in a weird way, we've given our power over to the plastic surgery community to even define what a bad bitch is. At one point, right. there at least be variations and it wasn't what the same. We knew that black women couldn't look like white women. So we were okay with the black curves. We could appreciate the juicy booty and this little bit of cellulite. Now, the expectation is I would rather have you bone skinny and then we build from there. So that then now I can get this fake white woman built fake body that is supposed to, that is not designed to look like how black women have already been designed. And that is again, us as black women, like what, what Hope keeps saying, making sure, having, it's, it's important for us to change how we allow ourselves to change, if that makes sense. 
And particularly as trans women, we really, really got to be careful because everybody, and in a lot of ways, particularly with these surgeries, they're learning on us. We're setting the trend and then they're taking those surgeries and giving those to cis women. So let's, yeah. let, we got to change that too on what we expect. Because when we say we're transitioning, why does that have to include a face and a nose and a lip of a certain proportion? Why does it have to be dimensionally that I look as close to this ideal that is as European as possible in order for me to say I'm transitioning properly? Now we know everybody should have their preference. I just wish the preference wasn't European. I just, so when you said something, fuck, and I don't want to lose it, but you said something that really, and I was just like, mm, it's it's about the way that we show up. I'll, I'll catch it. Somebody, somebody take it away. But something that you said stuck out to me and I just, I, I need to find it. I need to cycle back through. I guess maybe I'll just say, I also want to say that um, with the men that are dating us, I feel like it's important that we are checking them for the way that they engage us. Because like what we were saying earlier, I let's let, let when a woman says I have a preference and she's saying I don't like um, this particular or I prefer this particular type of man, that's not women don't even women female celebrities don't have the ability to tell a club, club promoter, hey, I don't want any men with bellies to walk in this club. I just, right. not, I don't want any man right. to stomach because then they're going to immediately start telling her, well, who's going to police that? And you can't tell her that. You can't tell men they can't come in here if they got money. But with women, a man can make a request and say, I only want light-skinned girls in the club. And we know, we've seen, we've heard. We sure have. That it happens. Sure have. Again, 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 again how being a man has um, institutional and systemic consequences, i.e. who can get the fuck in the actual institution of the club. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've seen it. Coming from Miami and, and being on South Beach, I have seen it. I've been with my friends as a trans woman and one of my cis friends was assumed to be trans and they told us we couldn't come in. Mm-hmm. And I'm the, I'm the trans girl, but because she was beat down based on patriarchal motherfucking standards, she beat down, overbeat. You assume her to be trans, and now y'all telling us we can't get in if yeah. she's coming. And so I've seen it. But what I remembered <clears throat> was the idea that a lot of the time our femininity is policed as trans women because we have to be hyper-feminine. And should we mm -hmm. choose reject that as, as as trans women now we are rejecting your ability to live this fantasy in your head that allows you to be comfortable with us because a lot of them like the idea of us aesthetically and our bodies and all of that good jazz but it's only because some of us and there's nothing wrong with this live in that hyper feminine space so every time you see us you see this perfect version of us that you you don't have to deal with the waking up in the morning putting on my skin cream my dot dot Dot, 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 because I've already done that. Because right. as women, we're taught to be insecure about the things that lie underneath the, the, the foundation and all that other stuff. And so a lot of these men love us for that hyper-femininity that we express because they never have to see that. They never have to see that. Not when they fucking us, not after they fuck us, not when we in the shower, not because a lot of us are so insecure about letting him see any hints of that masculinity that he never got to deal with that. But also... 
it alleviates that shit that he has to deal with with cis women, with cis black women. Because as cis black women, we ain't allowed to wear, they're not allowed to wear bonnets to bed and all of that shit is unsexy and da 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 And so what trans women give you is this hyper version of femininity that is always perfect. And should you be even a hair off on that and you decide, you know what, today, I ain't got it in me to draw these brows on. They lose interest. Cause it's now it's not because now it's not that I don't care. You're not you're not you're not caring to dress up. You're not even a girl anymore to me. It, it's a whole different f- f- thing. It went from damn to I didn't I, today. I just didn't feel like doing all that. And it went from uh, I like you and you pretty and maybe you, you know today when I come over I'm not as dressed up. It went from oh you're a girl that just doesn't care that that is beautiful in a glamazon to now where your wig at where your makeup. You're not dressed up. It's almost like you're not a girl anymore to them. And that's because, like you said, they don't want to see the scenes. And we've mastered hiding the scene. Yeah. But the but the crazy thing is it really comes down to being a performance because we know these same men who have dated and pursued women that are in just for PC terms that are at varying parts of their transition. No, we've seen we, men that will date the date us and have all these standards and then go date a CD that's done that that's just not only date a CD, marry a CD, burn the CD around their family, um, let the like so like it's really it's really like who are you performing for? Like why why are we so um, invested in this performance and I know me personally like I can jazz it up but like if I'm going to partner and be in a relate like fucking that's one thing like you, you or even fucking um, or hooking up like I tell these men when they start asking for me like wear your makeup up wear your heels at oh you sound like you're looking for a professional and I am pro sex work over here if that if that's the level of feminine performance that you want you actually need to stop being cheap and pay my sisters for their services if that's what you want. But if you want somebody as a real person that works a regular nine to five, just like you, well, bitch, you just want to get me where I am. And if I got my sports bra on with my hooping shorts and you know my hair is cut low, like my skin is going to be moisturized and soft, but I'm not giving you like five inch stiletto if I, because that's not realistic when I'm just trying to have um casual sex with you and you're just a stranger. And, and you're you not, don't expect that of the wife that you're leaving to come over to try to bring right. on me anyway. Right. Pay, if you want, if you want the nine one oh the Melrose place, nine oh two one oh TS for rent. And this is not to shame sex workers. This is to empower my sisters. Pay them if you want that level of performance. But if you're dealing with real people, especially a lot of y'all cheap motherfuckers that's suddenly trying to shuck and jive to get shit for free, then expect to deal with real trans women that are just going to be beautiful in their natural state. And even in um, relationships, like I have to know that you could see me looking um many different types of ways because at the end of the day if we're in partnership and we're we're in a relationship whatever my outside is given my essence is still a woman and if you really in tune with that as my partner and as my lover then how i show up in the world shouldn't really matter if you know that you are a partner with a woman but it it's really hard to get because a lot of people are so surface and we live in such a surface culture, as long as it look like a duck and quack like a duck, 
um, people are just going to be fine with the bare minimum, but it's, it's really um, holding folks accountable and um, letting folks letting folks know that if we're going to for those of us who are looking for relationships and trying to partner with these men if we're going to go on this faith walk brother you're going to have to look a little bit deeper because i might not look like this all the time i could get sick i could get cancer i could get hit by a car and will you still be with me if i don't look like a video model after i have to go through chemo or go through these surgeries or I gained a couple, I gained 20 pounds in a fucking pandemic because I'm laid off and I'm stressed out. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I think also this is an interesting place. I, I, I want to know what you ladies think about this. So I know that, you know, we talk about how in this culture, in this world, particularly in the world of fashion, in the world of print modeling, in the world of, you know, the tastemakers, the LGBT community sets the trend. And a lot of times the, the fashion world and the mainstream borrows from ballroom, they borrow from pageantry, they borrow from us. What do you think we can do in the community? Because what, I'm, what I have observed and what has existed for uh, uh, many, many years is that even in the way we as a community um, engage in our festivities, be it the competitive acts of, of pageantry or ballroom or any of the, anything that requires that we're showing up and we're being competitive. This bias has crept so deeply ingrained in our own culture that it's almost like to participate, there's a requirement that you look a certain way. Mm. And I want to talk about how we as a community, as a culture, or at least what we can do to um, unpack patriarchy and white supremacy and its effect on how we allow these black and queer gay men, you know, black and Latinx queer gay men judge us and rank us and have us in battle for what they consider beauty, not really realizing they are ingesting that same toxin that these niggas that are dating us and romantically interested us are pushing upon us. But the, the most sinister piece is, is that we've given gay men the past to be able to set the trend. Cause you're not gonna lie to me, honey. You'll tell me what's pretty. You're the one that tells me what to put on. You're the one that we get to take pictures and select models. You're the people that are actually defining things. So what's really sinister and really, really crazy is it's our own. It's really us on a deep, personal level it is really black queer folk that are really helping to perpetuate the evil so guys what do you think we could do to address that inner community for lack of a better word and for lack of pc funding and y'all know i love y'all i love the entire community but fuck them queens <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and, I the my soul. and it's just because at the end of the day what i refuse to conform to is the idea of being some gay man's barbie doll you don't get to sit back, you know, and, 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 and judge me from a host of other fucking people that don't live this experience, that don't live my particular lived experience and tell me that I am or I am not or that I get a 10 or that I don't get a 10 or that I, my transition is valid or it's invalid. Now, I'm not going to knock the ballroom culture because I think that it's cute. I went to my first ball this year. It was lovely. I enjoyed it. It was a community space. And I had all of my fun for about an hour and a half because after a while, I got sick of the chin. But 
I think that it's one of those things where as it pertains to these gay black men, what I feel like a lot of them are doing is projecting because they don't have the strength to do what it is that you're doing. And so it's not the idea that your transition isn't good enough. It's if I could do it, this is what I would do. Mm. If it were me, this is how I would show up. And sir, it could be you. Don't project that shit onto me. Live your truth. And oftentimes they don't want to do that. And so then it turns into this judgy ass space of, oh, girl, you haven't done this. Oh, girl, you haven't done that. Because if it was me, girl, I would have had X, Y, and Z. But you say that not knowing that X, Y, and Z cost $48,000. You say that not knowing that making those choices for yourself could cost you your life on the table. You say that not knowing that if you don't have the resources set up, that doing those things requires you to do sex work. And so it's one of those things where all of these gay black men that are setting themselves up to be the Messiah over the community and tell me how to be a woman and police my womanhood and tell me what passes and what doesn't pass. I'll tell people all the time, when I am in cishet spaces, I don't have no motherfucking issues. I'm, these, these men be in my motherfucking face the same way they be in all these other women's faces. I have conversations with brothers, cousins, and uncles and them at the football games and all of that stuff. It's not until I come into this space with y'all that I'm oh so motherfucking clocky and all of this stuff that don't usually matter all of a sudden matters. And that's because y'all don't even like women. What do I look like letting a man that don't like women, that don't fuck with women, that ain't trying to be intimate with a woman tell me how to cold my femininity in order to be desirable for a man who does mm. what mm. do i look like boy go, boy go now if we were having balls and there were cisgender heterosexual men up there telling me what was clocky <laughs> and what wasn't i might I, that might hold a little bit more weight but i've come to the point in my in, in, in my transition in my life where i'm not going i'm really not in a space where i'm going to make it okay for somebody who does not even find me attractive just off the premise of my gender expression alone is going to tell me what's going to get somebody else's dick hard who does find women attractive that's not gonna fly with me sit down and chill out Excuse for, for the viewers, excuse y'all. Somebody's car alarm is going off in my background, so be here beeping. I, I don't think they can hear it since you, you, you actually sound great. <laughs> okay, so may, maybe it's well, I can definitely hear it, but may it's not coming across on the mic. You know, I have a I have a unique relationship um, with the ballroom scene because I am a product of the um, ballroom scene, specifically the Kiki ballroom scene. So I, I love it for what it was and I loved it for what it represented in my life. Um, my advice for people, um, again, I think we have to acknowledge that if you're going to be one of those girls, I'm, I'm just a realist at heart. So if you're going to be one of those girls that are going to know that you're going up against the system, right? So it's an uphill battle. And for me, it's all about protecting your peace. And while I have fun and I have good memories, I knew that for my own mental health, I had to divest myself from the culture because even though that they're gay, it's still they're still men and it's still men, man run. And there are not a lot of spaces for um, strong um, tra Black trans women um, to lead and to get respected unless you something about you is physically um, valuable and, and can be compartmentalized um, and commoditized for them. And I think I recognized that early on seeing the treatment of a lot of 
um, non-conventional figures in the ballroom scene. Um, so I just think you have to um, protect your peace and you have to divest. Don't, you don't need to be walking the realness category if you know that you can um, go into the real world and you quote unquote being real isn't a problem. But even being real, that's not progressive enough for our community. We want to get to our point in our community. And I was just thinking about this today as I was exercising. I want to live in a, tool, uh, in a world where we get to a point that if if I'm walking down the street and somebody clocks me, or if, or if it's like a group of niggas on a corner and they clock me, they just identify that I'm trans and they let me keep moving on with my life. It's not them, oh, yo, that's a nigga. It's not them getting violent with me. Because it has to get to a point where we stop placing more value on people that can quote unquote pass or people that are more cis than people that are not. Because some girl, some girls will never be able to quote unquote pass or they might get a surgery that might make them look trans. So like people, some people can get all the surgeries in the world and that whole assimilation look that they're going for is not going to happen. But through a lot of the progressive work that we're doing on our platform and hope you're doing on your various platforms, I we are creating a world in which somebody can show up however they want on the transgender spectrum and still be valued, still be protected, still have access to a healthy, uh, mutual, reciprocal relationship, still have an opportunity to get a job and make money and not be fired for being trans or not be fired because there are disturbance to other people in the company. And I think um, while the ballroom has progressed in a lot of ways, in particular, a lot of those gender roles are what is holding the ballroom scene back. And it, now it's what's making the ballroom scene appeal to a certain demographic of people that, in my personal opinion, and I mean no offense, lack the political, the type of political education that is um, freeing and that is um, in the, the sense of liberation, because I really want to get to a place where if I look trans, I can still live my life and I can still thrive and I can still have love or I don't have to be loved with the condition. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so just to me answering my own question there, I really think that the, the ballroom scene, I think it needs to, like what you some of you guys already touched on some of my suggestions. I think the categories need to evolve. I think in the, they need to evolve in the way that they're titled, but also they need to evolve in who's ranking what. I don't understand why there was ever a world where a, a man was able to tell trans women they were real or not. A, a gay man was able to tell trans women they were real or not. So, I, and, and you know, Hope, you brought up it being poten potentially a um, cis man, that uh, cis heterosexual man. But I'd argue, I, it, it would seem like the experts should be the trans women themselves. Like maybe there are certain categories that gay men aren't allowed to judge or, or that are allowed to do rankings in. And maybe we change the dynamic of what a face, a beautiful face looks like. How, how, how long has it been since we've updated the image in ballroom of what beauty is like have we are we ha, have we checked it and policed it and allowed it to grow i believe just like everything else beauty standards have evolved but un interestingly enough in pageantry in ballroom in a lot of the the ways in the ways we compete there's still such a narrow narrow look even to the point where in pageantry 
We have to have whole big girl pageants because it, it, we understand that big girls, it's harder for them to win things so that we have to have this separate category so that they're now, have, they're now on an even playing field. Mm. That's horrible to me. Not saying that those pageants shouldn't exist, but they shouldn't exist because that a big girl can't win these others. It's mm. almost as if there's a, it, once you get to a certain size, there's an expectation that you be in these pageants and don't bother with a continental. Mm. And that to me is also what perpetuates because now if I want to participate in community, if I'm a young girl and let's say I'm looking at a show like Pose and I'm missing the blatant colorism, but I'm hoping that in real life as a brown woman, <laughs> I'm hoping that in real life as a brown woman, that this community will embrace me. And then I show up to a ball or an event. And even if they do find me pretty, people immediately begin telling me my, what they could, what I should be getting done to actually be a legend, to actually grow. Oh, we're not, they will tell you flat out, we're not gonna let you do face until you get this, this, and this. So now, even if I want to be a viable option, even if I wanted to challenge or, or to tear down these oppressive standards because of this hierarchy, this, this hierarchy that's rooted in patriarchy, that ballroom and pageantry, some of these other things have become, a lot of girls inadvertently are allowing these gay men to control. And I feel like that's another thing. We need to reenact and remember that the, the entire culture, a lot of this stuff was rooted in us. And we've lost that power We've given it up. And some of that is because it's we, we don't live very long. So we haven't been able to see it go generations like some of these other people have. But we got to take it back from these men and stop letting them define us. And I feel like that's important just in general in community. Like we can't address LGBT and not address patriarchy, effemnophobia, fat phobia, and trans, internalized transphobia. Like as long as that exists in the way we compete, we're always going to be perpetuating a cycle. And then you know what those gay men do? Those fabulous gay men that get booked on TV to pick out girls to be on voguing shows or those gay men that end up being picked to pick models for runways. They end up picking girls that look as, as, as exotic as possible, particularly if they're looking for a trans girl. They want her to look as exotic as possible. Then she can go on Vogue. Because now she's she's all she's everything. She's she's the exotic black woman that 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 no one can kind of tell. And what is she? Is she is she not? But also she's trans. So it's, it's a whole bunch of ooh. But if you happen to be dark skinned, if you happen to just be regular Mississippi black, your story isn't interesting, and you just regular black. So we're not interested in putting you on a cover. And that's for my own people. Mm. Mm. So. Um, how do how do we want to end this off? Like what like what type of messages do we want to um, give to in to end this particular topic off? I think well, I wanna, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hope. I was gonna say I think just for me leaving out of this is just that I want folks to understand that there's nuances around the ways in which you police people based on their color. Um, and as we've clearly demonstrated in this conversation, there's intersections to that. It's not just about making somebody feel small or unwanted or undesirable based off of their color. Those things usually trickle down into other intersections that that person falls into. And so, you know, right here, we've, we've given you three examples of 
my color and my stature, her color, her stature and her weight. And then somebody who is devoid of color and feels like they're tokenized in ways that they shouldn't be tokenized when there are other people who deserve that platform. And so I just want you all to take an uh, to take a moment, and especially the men that listened to the first part of the conversation and felt attacked. We are not doing this and we don't make these statements to attack you, but we're making these statements because y'all don't make them to each other. When y'all sit in the barbershop and y'all are talking to one another about the issues that are happening and when y'all do make those small efforts to talk about things like this, y'all are not holding each other accountable for the fact that you can change it. And so if this conversation triggered you, if it made you go, hmm, if you looked at somebody and said, I never thought about it like that, then do something in your personal circle as a man, especially as Black cis het men and Black trans amorous men to do something about it and fix it so that women like us don't have to come together and have these conversations about the way in which we have to police ourselves in order to deal with the world and better yet to deal with y'all. Brianna? Um, I would like, I would just like to say that my my last message is um, to women, cis and trans, that we should only be burdened with the la the labor um, of creating our own peace and creating what that um, looks like for us. Um, it's not, um, and I think of the the red table talk conversation and the. Um, the disagreement between Jada and her um her mom Adrian at the beginning and um Adrian being right on point is not our responsibility as black women to elevate the consciousness of other people that oppress us. Um all, all I'm interested in doing is staying black, loving myself and dying. And like I'm responsible for creating my peace and for people that say that they love me, for people that say that they're allies of me, you should bear the labor of being a better ally. You should bear the labor of questioning and interrogating and um, always wondering, are you contributing to the impression? Are you um, failing to intervene? Are you just uh, flat out being neglectful and ignoring and um, how that is showing up? What type of conversations like, um, and I, I think I think a lot of times it's not even that um, men are just not having a conversations. Men are seeing um, black trans women in these situations of violence and they're just doing nothing. They're standing by or they're, they're participating in these conversations and they're not saying nothing. They're not checking nobody. They're not. So I, I really, the labor is not on us to surveil you to make sure that you're being a, a good ally. That should be something that you're modeling. That should be something that you're demonstrating all the time to my women. Um, we have the right to divest. A lot of times we are not told that we have, the, we told, we're told that we have to take it. And for a lot of us, like myself who divest, it's kind of like this otherworldly thing. No, I have the right to have my own peace. I have the right to curate um, positive images around me so that I can um, love myself and I can be more accepted of myself. And like I said, it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy because we live in a world that teaches us to hate many things about ourselves. But when I see um, images of fat women, when I see that there are artists that draws images of fat women, um, just like when we had our porn um, conversation earlier, when I see images that are reflective of me and my experience, um, those are the little ways um, 
that I, when I hear music that is speaking positively about women and I calling us um, bitches and hoes or when I look down there, it better be a pussy down there. Like when I get away from that music and listen to music that affirms me and I surround myself with people that affirm me and um, people that defend me, even when I'm not in the room, those are the little things that I can do to guard my And then I don't want to tell women that you know that you're not going to find love or it's just it'll never happen for you it may take a little longer because we're not the 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 hot commodity on the menu and um relationships and dating it is a market i mean it just it, it might take a little longer but it doesn't mean that you can't have a life full of love and a life full of joy and a life full of healthy relationships but you have to be um really conscientious about the energy um, and about the people that you are bringing into your circle. And you have to feel confident to check people and to divest from people that are only interested in upholding these systems and harming you in the process. Yes. Um, I want to say that in this conversation, I want to thank my two sisters here, um, Brianna and Hope, for really, really sharing their experience because what I understand and what I sought to do in this conversation was to model the behavior of someone that understands that it's when, when to step up and when to sit back. So in having this conversation about colorism, a lot of times what we will, have, what we will often see demonstrated are people with um, people who, 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 who um, may have more privilege in the conversation, dominating it with their, but, but it's hard for me too, but, but, but I go through certain things as well, but, but, and, and, and making it a thing where there's a competition, even in this conversation on who has it worse. And what I want to do, what I wanted to demonstrate in this conversation is the way in which you have to acknowledge when you yourself are sitting in a space and you have other people around you whose voices who are often denied that aren't being given permission and the availability to speak. Oh. And it is not often your position to necessarily, some people like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't help, I can't help it, or I can't help how I look, and I can't help that I'm fair skinned or what or whatever it may be. What you need to do is remember when you are in the situation where you see beautiful dark-skinned women being, being beautiful, doing their thing, maybe it looks like you sit the fuck back and allow the conversation to progress, not centering you. Because there's it, because a lot of times you are often chosen when they want to center Black folks already. And so thank you so much, ladies, for your space and your energy in this moment. I'm excited for this mashup. Hope, tell us a little bit more about going forward, what your guests and your fans and your, your, your supporters can expect from you. I know you got a lot going on. Yeah, so Can We Talk is getting ready to evolve in a multitude of ways. Um, and I actually have a new podcast coming out with a special guest uh, that y'all know. I can't release it just yet because we want to release it together and have that moment together. But we're actually going to do a mashup podcast and it's going to be super, super dope. Um, and Can can We Talk is actually going to become a multimedia cast that doesn't just live on my Patreon. So as a lot of you know that you can listen to it, but you'll also be able to watch it. Um, I found that a lot of people love to be able to like listen to it in their car and then go back to it later and watch it. I didn't realize that before, but I'm hearing that from a lot of the guests now that they just want to see what people were looking like and what was happening in the scene. Um, 
So that's a, a thing. And then there's just a bunch of other like little small tidbits and content that's coming for Can We Talk. And I'm just excited to share it with y'all in 2021, January to be specific, early February, if I'm Black. <laughs> so that, that's how that's and um, Hope, thank you so much for being the spearhead for this conversation today. Um, let's just give Hope a quick round of applause. Yay. <laughs> um, so to our listeners, um, for those of our listeners of Box Number 512 Podcast, we thank you for following us last season. We thank you for all of your love, support, and patronage as we worked through our, our, our progress. And you pardoned our progress and you allowed us to grow. And last season was such a wonderful experience. I know Brianna and I being new to this space, we wanted to make sure last season that we were having the difficult conversations, having the interesting, the nuanced, the culturally specific conversations that in fact, Black trans people. And we knew that there were other content providers like Hope and others out there that were doing the work and doing great work. What we wanted to do was just to add a couple more voices to the space that could really just add and strengthen the analysis. And um, shout out to you, Hope, for being someone that I did follow. And I think Bri Brianna and I both um, we, we, we actually follow your content and we've had interesting and in-depth conversations about your content on our podcast. So thank you so much for being the kind of woman who can demonstrate also that we can disagree. We cannot necessarily always be on the same page, but we're committed to having the conversation. And more importantly, we respect each other gangster. And we're modeling this for you ladies out there, box number five to a mashup, because we really, really wanted y'all to know that this ain't no real shade, that we can walk and chew gum, that we do have the ability to, to have a critique and analyze our sister and love on her and respect the fuck out of who she is and what she does on her platform. So thank you so much, sister, for partnering with us today. It's no big deal. Thank y'all for having me. This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. Um, we, for those of you who don't know, please feel free to donate on our Anchor FM page, anchorfm.com, and click on the Donate tab. Thank you. I am your co-host, The Lioness. I am Aeon. And we are here with... Hope Giselle. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. bye.